Well, good morning, Mount Clear Church of Christ. It is so good to be with you again. And um, sitting beside me is not my wife, Melanie, but instead Pastor Harley from, <laughs> from Rise Christian Church. How are you going? Going great. Yeah. Really, really good. He's going to bring us a word this morning, which is going to be sensational. Before we get there, I want to remind everyone, and thanks for those that found the minty last week, but if you keep looking for the minty, um, see who finds it this week. If there's a winner, you get movie tickets. If there's not, we just keep going for next week. Thank you for loving each other during this season, particularly with the extra lockdown and restrictions that are in place. As a church, we would love to get together. As a family, we'd love to meet you face to face. It's just not possible at the moment, but uh, it will be so very, very soon. Soon, yeah. But we're going to open in prayer. We're going to throw it to Harley. He's going to preach a message that's going to uh, rock our world. And we'll see what uh, God's going to do with all. I'm sure at the end of it, we'll be more like Jesus in Jesus' name. (laughs) (laughs) So, Father, we just thank Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to come into your presence. We thank you, Lord, for men and women of God who preach your word and preach it in truth. And we thank you for you, Holy Spirit, that you bring that word into our hearts for us for those around us, so that we can be a blessing and so that we can be more like your son. So have your way this morning, have your way today, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, first thing, I want to just say thank you for, you know, having me here. Um, I know we've been great friends for a long time, and I was thinking about why we're such great friends, and I think it's because I get intense, and you know how to joke when I get too intense, so... I just give you the, uh, the, the privilege of making a joke when I have a really intense point this morning. So it's totally okay. So this morning I want to um, actually follow up on something that I started last week in our own church uh, at Rise. And it's the profile of an excellent spirit. And it's something that we see, uh, it's a statement made about Daniel in the book of Daniel in chapter 6. <clears throat> and we're going to go to uh, chapter 6 and that, that'll be our starting place. If you want to look at uh, the first part of this message, you can check out our own uh, page uh, and look at last week's message. But today I just want to bring uh, some further points on what I see as the, as the profile of an excellent spirit. Yeah, what are the characteristics on. of Daniel? Why was he called a man with an excellent spirit? And I want to take you first to uh, Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room... With his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. If you go back and read the chapter, you'll understand that um, Daniel had just seen the, the written decree being signed by King Darius. And that was basically a petition that the satraps and governors had put to Darius to, to make sure that no one could worship God or petition him or anybody else other than Darius for 30 days. So Daniel, as soon as he knows that this trap has been set for him, he knew that this could get him in trouble. He went home, uh, opened up his window toward Jerusalem, knelt down on his knees three times that day, as was his custom, and prayed with thanksgiving. And I want to just look at this verse and unpack some of the things that I see in it. Um, as highlighting his excellent spirit as a clue for us too. You know, how are we, um, you know, walking before the Lord with an excellent spirit? I I think you mentioned it was either last week or the week before we carried this treasure in jars of clay. Yeah, and I was talking, we've been talking about the cost, the cost that, what's the cost for us as disciples of Jesus to follow him, um, to truly follow him, to experience all of him? 
Uh, and really, that point is that there, though he's paid the ultimate price, there is a cost for us. There is a time when we need to pay a price. And even just starting off with with Daniel, because I used him as an example last week. Yeah. You know, he's prepared to pay a price. Yeah. For his God. You know, and, and I know you may touch on it, but we know that at the end of it all, the nation, our God is made great within that nation because he was willing to pay a price that no one else was, you know? Definitely. You know, I love what you brought up about, you know, we carry this uh, treasure in jars of clay. It says of Daniel, there was an excellent spirit in him. And yeah. the point I made last week was that, you know, it's what's within us that causes us to be excellent on the outside. It's first inside us and then it's manifest on the outside of us. Yeah. There's a point that I see in uh, Daniel's first response to this, this uh, written decree being signed. He goes, he opens the windows toward Jerusalem. Now that seems like a kind of a, you know, by the way kind of point. It doesn't seem to be that significant. But there's, there's something in the Old Testament that I think is a clue to uh, his excellent spirit. And I'll make this statement. An excellent spirit is governed by the word of God. Governed, I use that word deliberately because excellence is not just knowing the Word of God, it's actually letting your life be governed by the Word Come of on. God. Yeah, awesome. See, he, um, he, I believe, was reflecting on what King Solomon had prayed. And there's two accounts of this prayer. One is in Second Chronicles chapter 6 and one is in First Kings 8. Listen to what King Solomon prayed after the, the temple had been completed he prayed this prayer for the people of his time and also for the generations that were to follow. He said, when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their enemies who led them away captive and pray to you toward their land which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen and the temple which I have built for your name, then here in heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. It seems like a simple thing, but Daniel opened his windows toward Jerusalem, toward the temple, because Solomon said, God, when they turn toward this place, hear their prayer. So here's Daniel opening up the windows toward Jerusalem and praying. So the, the word of God must mean something to our lives. It must determine our actions. Otherwise, it's, it's not, we're not really living in the excellence of the Spirit. We're not really carrying the treasure in jars of clay. Yeah, hey, come on. Um, the, the thing that I love about Daniel is that here's a man. The first six chapters kind of really talk about the story uh, of his life and the life of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can read those first six chapters. And then the next six are pretty much all prophecy and angelic visitation. And it got me thinking, why was Daniel chosen for such a dramatic encounter with God Come on. that millions of people would, would read about and argue about and debate about and get their um, theology for a lot of end times uh, you know, teaching? Here's a man that knew how important the word of God was and therefore God honoured him with the prophetic word. I see something that Jesus said in the story of um, Lazarus and the rich man. Jesus said, or speaking of Abraham, when the rich man said to, to Abraham, come on, can you get Lazarus to come and uh, dip his finger in, in water and come and cool my tongue? And Abraham said, no, there's too great a gulf. And then the rich man said, can you get uh, Lazarus to go and tell my brothers you know, about this place? And Abraham said, listen, if they've, if they've got Moses and the prophets and they're not willing to do anything with that, they probably won't do anything if someone to, someone to rise from the dead and witness to them. 
You see, an excellent spirit understands how important the Word of God is yep. and allows its life to be governed by the Word of God. And in that place where we say, God, your Word is important, I will, I will do what your Word says, God, I think, trusts us with the secrets of his own heart. Here's a man who was trusted with a vision of days to come. And I believe that Daniel's excellent spirit actually positioned him to receive those prophetic well, encounters. Well, he was, he was fully surrendered. Yeah. You know, he was fully prepared to, to pay a price. He was going to stand for his God no matter what. Yeah. And I think for each of us today, particularly for those of us, you've got to understand that we capture the heart of God when we look at the Old Testament. And, yeah. and I don't know why we live on this side of the cross, but praise God that we do because we don't have to do the same stuff, but we can experience even more of our loving God, you know? Yeah, um, totally. And those that are fully surrendered today, like Daniel, God can't help but meet them. I, I, I love just that picture. You said that he, he, he opened his window towards Jerusalem, towards the temple, because that's that's where the presence of God was. Yeah. And if you remember Stephen in the New Testament, before he gets stoned, he has this vision where the heavens are open. And what I love for me is the difference between the old and the new. Yeah. Here's Daniel actually physically doing something to position himself where the windows of heaven, he's positioning himself before heaven. And now you come to Stephen and God actually opens the window for him. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's so cool. That's isn't really it? good. Like, if you're fully surrendered, that's where the supernatural yeah, happens. Totally. <laughs> anyway. Totally. Well, the next point that I, I see from this verse that I read to you in uh, Daniel chapter 6, I'll make a statement. An excellent spirit kneels before God. Now, that doesn't seem like much of a, a statement to make, you know, big deal. You kneel when you pray or you stand up when you pray. I mean, I, I pray a lot when I'm just driving the car or walking around my property. But there's something about kneeling that I want to just highlight here. And it's something that we see as not just an Old uh, Testament posture. It's something that we see quite often in the New Testament. Jesus did it in Luke 22, 41. Stephen did it. You just mentioned yeah, him yeah. in Acts yeah. uh, chapter 7, verse 60. Uh, Peter did it in Acts chapter 9, verse 40. Paul and other leaders in the church did it in Acts 20, verse 36. And Luke did it, Acts 21, verse 5. But the thing that I, I really love about him kneeling is this, when we think about what Solomon prayed back in uh, 1 Kings uh, 8, it says in verse 54 of that chapter, it says, And so it was, when Solomon had finished praying all this prayer and supplication to the Lord, that he arose from before the altar of the Lord yeah, from come kneeling on. Come on. on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. I read a commentary, and it was, I won't name the guy, but he said this. He said, kneeling is a, a begging posture, and we must all come to God as beggars. I, I absolutely disagree with that. Yeah, come on. I'm not a beggar before God. You're not a beggar before nah. God. We are the begotten before God. We, we're actually born again. We're born of yeah. the Spirit. We're not beggars. I, I don't mind the implication of need when it comes to talking about beggars because yeah. we, we do have great need. Yeah, absolutely. But a beggar kind of implies that we have this disconnection between the one we're, we're begging from and I'm not a beggar before God. He's a father. So let's get that straight. This is not about begging God. Uh, it's, it's simply about adopting a posture of vulnerability. Yeah, Do you know, come on. You have a come posture on. of... You, you are vulnerable <laughs> when you're on your knees. When you're standing, you're ready. You can, you can attack, you can fight, you can, you can be ready to go to war. But on your knees, you're kind of vulnerable. It takes a while to kind of get out of that posture yeah. to an attacking posture. And the, the point I want to make is that <clears throat> vulnerability and victory 
are the two sides of the same coin. In the spirit world, if we're prepared to be vulnerable, both before God and also before men, that is the key to spiritual victory. Um, and I, I would say that also in, in kind of addition to that thought is that God says in James, I think it's chapter 4, God opposes the proud. Yeah. He gives grace to the humble. If we're willing to make ourselves vulnerable, God actually empowers us with his spirit rather than opposes us by his spirit. Jesus says, um, I think it's in the Beatitudes uh, or Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. Somewhere in there he says, he who strikes you on the, the right cheek, turn to him the left also or something like that. I don't really believe Jesus is promoting uh, broken jaws as a, as a pursuit of holiness. But basically he's saying, when you get hurt, don't turn away like most of us do. You see, when I get hurt, I usually kind of put the, the, the walls up. You know, I don't want to be hit a second time. Now, I, don't, I haven't been hit on the face too many times, but my heart has, has coppered, uh, copped some blows, as all of our hearts have. We've been hurt, we've been wounded. Jesus is basically saying, stay vulnerable yeah. if you want to live in victory. Because when we go into self-protection mode, that's, that's really a manifestation of pride, not humility. Daniel, uh, because he knelt before God and he was willing to actually trigger the trap that had been set for him, went into the lion's den with not his own protection, not fighting for himself. Yeah. No, here is God stepping in and closing the mouths of the lions. Yeah. You see, when we can remain vulnerable before God and, and in the world that we live, we invite the protection of God in our lives. Now, I'm not saying that um, God always you know, delivers us from stuff. You know, we've seen martyrs that have been delivered to death. And I don't understand that. But I do say this, that I'm called to be vulnerable. There's I'm a, not called to self-protection. There's a secret in it. Because like Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he said, he go, and he writes, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Yeah. You can't boast of your weaknesses unless you're vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you have this sense, this heart yeah, of vulnerability good. before the Lord, you can share with him your fears, your struggles, your weaknesses. And it's in that place that his power is paramount. Totally. And, just, and, and that, Daniel walks in knowing that he has no capacity whatsoever. Yeah? Yeah. He kneels before the Lord in this position of vulnerability. And he goes, you know what, God, come what may, I'm sticking up. I'm just going to go for it. That's right. But I need you. Yeah. And because of that, in his weakness, God's power is made manifest. Yeah. So I love that. I just, I, I, it's such a truth for us today because it's not normal in our Western you know, culture in, in the lives that we live with, everything yeah. that we have to actually be vulnerable, to be yeah. transparent, so for true. people to see the real us. And the truth is God wants to do a work in all of us and transform us into the image of his son, but he can't do that unless we're vulnerable. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, part of that vulnerability is, um, is obviously humility. Um, and the point I want to make about humility is it's, it's really the foundation of true authority. Yeah. You know, I think about the story of the centurion that approached Jesus and, and said, Jesus, can you heal my servant? And Jesus' response was, sure, you know, I'm on my way. I'll come to your house. And then the centurion has this amazing response to Jesus. He said, no, 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 no. I understand this authority thing because I'm a man under authority. Yeah. Um, and I'm also a man who has authority. I say to this one, go and he goes, and this one, come and he comes. And, and then Jesus' response to the centurion was, 
I, this is great faith. I haven't seen faith like this before. And there's only two mentions of great faith from Jesus in the Bible. One was a woman who was prepared to take the crumbs from the table. Yeah. And the other one was the centurion who said, I'm under authority and I have authority. You see, true humility is being under the authority of God and the authority of man. Um, whether it's good or bad, we, know, we need to learn how to submit to authority and honor authority, not because authority is perfect, in a worldly sense, but because we are honourable people. Yeah. We're not called to blaspheme. We're not called to belittle. Yeah, We're not called to drag people's names through the mud. That's a good word. And people don't always do honourable things, but because we are honourable yeah, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we choose a... to refrain from that kind of conversation and that language. And, you know, James, again, I think it's in James chapter 4, he said, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The, see, the point... Um, to having authority in life and authority over the devil is first submission to God. And I want to say this, that if the devil isn't fleeing you, there may be a problem with your submission. I think we all wrestle with it at times. We want to be able to just tell the devil to go, and I think sometimes he mocks us and says, well, who the heck are you? Are you really submitted to God? Are you really submitted to the authority of Christ? Yeah. You see, that's what we're called to. It's not, it's not, you know, you can't just tell the devil what to do unless you're really uh, you're submitted to God and you're prepared to walk in a vulnerable posture and, and with a humble heart before God. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require yeah, of you. It. Do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Do what's right. Love what's good. Make sure you keep your heart humble before your God. And I think Daniel is great evidence of just the humility that he yeah, walked in. Yeah, he yeah. honoured every king that he served. Even, even the king that was about to throw him into the lion's exactly. head. He, he still says, you know, my majesty, your majesty. He still refers to him with such honour. Yeah. Yeah. And... and and, you know, I, I, I really, I don't point the finger, but a frustration for me today, and I can fall into the same trap, is we don't honour those that are in leadership because we don't agree with them. Yeah. Daniel obviously didn't agree, and so he spoke with his actions, yeah, but with his, with his words, he still honoured. And all, the only dishonouring, if anything, was when he said, but in this, I, I still have to pray to my yeah. God. I will not compromise my relationship with yeah, God. totally. You know, and... That sense of humility, I, I, I come back to Second um, Chronicles 7 where it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray yeah. and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, etc., etc. But there are, for me, there are some keys in here that Daniel, Daniel showed. He knelt and he prayed. He was humble. He, totally. He was totally humble. He showed humility. And, and God's heart in this for you and I today, yeah, in this dispensation of the new covenant is yeah. if we will humble ourselves before the Lord. If we'll be transparent, he won't come and heal our land, you know, Ballarat, but what he will do is heal our land, our territory, our temple, yeah, good. the stuff around us, you know. Yeah. I just love it. It's, it, it's, it's keep preaching, dude. Keep <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you're doing pretty good yourself. <laughs> do you know, and that brings me to my next point is that an excellent spirit understands the value of prayer. Um, you know, Daniel, it says in this, this verse, verse 10, that he went home, he knelt down on his knees, we've already talked about that, and he prayed with thanksgiving three times that day, as was his custom. The thing that I love about uh, what is stated here is that Daniel was a praying man. Prayer was not just amplified in times of difficulty, nor was it lessened in times of ease. It was just his habit. Yeah. 
It was something that he did, and it says from early days, as was his custom from early days. Now, I don't know how early those days were. It started the captivity. And we know that um, the, the start of the captivity was you know, nearly 70 years prior because um, in chapter 9, he was getting to the point of almost the end of the yeah. captivity. So he's, he's been praying for a long time. Come on. Um, Jesus said something in, in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. He says, this parable he spoke to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Yeah. If there's one thing that you, that you want to build a good habit around, and we know the power of a habit. All of us know the power of a bad habit. And it, any one of us can get into bad cycles, addictive cycles, yeah. if we're not careful. And we can make something a habit that really affects our own well-being. But if you want to make a habit of something or anything, yeah. make a habit of prayer. Yep. Make it your custom. Come on. Whether it's once a day or three times a day, make it a habit to be in the presence of God. Not only just putting, him, put, uh, putting before Him all your requests and all of the, your burdens... It says that Daniel prayed with thanksgiving. Yeah, I just love that. You know, we don't often want to thank God when things are tough. We yeah. want to complain. Yeah. But he's praying yeah. with thanksgiving before he, uh, he's probably aware that he's going to be thrown into a lion's den because he's already triggered that trap. I just love the fact that he's, he's praying. And, and Harley and I were actually talking yesterday. We had a, a minute of whatever day it is. It's Sunday today. I'm lost. But we were together with a couple of ministers and we were just chatting and we were talking about prayer. And, and you made the point that prayer is part of our communication, our relationship. Yeah. And so God can talk to us. But if we don't talk back, that's no relationship. And I love that whether Daniel, whether it was a good season or a bad season, he was in the habit of actually talking out yeah. his relationship yeah. with God. And you so, and I, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, Christ ones, then somewhere in our day, yeah, if it's a true relationship, then we need to have conversation with our God. Totally. Otherwise, we'll never see stuff like this happen in our own lives. And it'll always be for those people back then or that person sitting next to you. And it'll never be for you yeah. or for me. But... Oh, wow, it's just, this is gold because it's just real life stuff. We may not be thrown into the lion's den, well, but not. you may have, <laughs> I hope not, absolutely. They'll probably <laughs> chew on me longer. Um, but, you know, family members that go, why do you tithe? Why do you give your money to the church? Why do you do that? You'd be so much, like, there are always going to be things that come against us where we need to make a stand in our faith for the Lord, yeah. you know? Will we be prepared to do that? Will we humble ourselves? Yeah. Will we pray in good times and bad? Will we honour those that are in leadership around us? You know, like this is this is really good stuff for us because you just said if the, if the devil's not fleeing, then what's our submission look like to God? Yeah. What does our relationship look like with him? Are we actually, is it something that we know here or something that we know here, you yeah. know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Anyway. And, and you know... <laughs> In the context of prayer, you know, I, there's only one more point that I want to make from Daniel, and it's not found in the first six chapters. It's actually found in chapter 9. And we know that... Um, go and read the chapter. I invite you to just do that just so you get the context. But he is, he's aware because he's uh, read the book of Jeremiah, and he sees that there was 70 years of captivity kind of uh, prophesied. And he's like, okay, now I'm, I'm praying into that. So here we see another enforcement of being a man of the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here he's reading the, the prophet Jeremiah. And it causes him to go to prayer. And he, I'll make a statement, then I want to just read some verses to go back it, it up. Yep. The statement is this. An excellent spirit doesn't distance others from blessing, nor itself 
from blame. Now we know oh, in, in uh, the early chapters of Daniel when Nebuchadnezzar threatened uh, the satraps or the, you know, the wise men, he, he said, I want you to tell me the dream and the interpretation. And, and they, they all said, look, we can't do that. It's impossible. But Daniel went to his God. God gave him the dream and the interpretation. And the first thing that Daniel did was say to the, uh, the leader who was kind of leading under Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. said, stop killing the wise men. In other words, Daniel was prepared to share the blessing and favor of his uh, God on his life with everybody else, even though these guys are probably yeah. serving and, and worshiping demons. Come on, come on. So here, Daniel is saying, I want to include others in the blessing. But here in, in Daniel chapter 9, He's not distancing himself from blame. He's not saying, well, you know, it was our fathers that, that did the bad thing yeah, in yeah, Israel that yeah. got us thrown into captivity. He confesses his own sin and identifies with the nation as a yeah, whole and says, oh, you know what, we're all in this together. Let me read it to you. It's There's from, a uh, song, a commercial. We're all in anyway. <laughs> so thank you for that. <laughs> Daniel 9 verse 8 says, O Lord to us, belong shame of face to our kings our princes and our fathers because we have sinned against you to the lord our god belong mercy and forgiveness though we have rebelled against him we have not obeyed the voice of the lord our god to walk in his laws which he set before us by his servants the prophets see, see here daniel is identifying he's using the yeah. we to include himself in in israel's captivity i love that and then um, in verse 20, he says, Now while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. I love that, that he's not distancing himself. He's not turning the finger on the people of God saying it must have been you. And yet he had the right to. He did. Yeah, yeah, but he chooses not to. Yeah. He chooses, for me, in that, he chooses relationship. It, for us, it's we could point the finger at everybody out there and say they're living wrong. But if we will be repentant and, and encompass all of that, repent before the Lord, we actually are putting relationship right where we invite people into a space to discover yeah. the same God. Totally. Yeah? Totally. I guess that, you know, the challenge that I want to take from that last point is that I don't want to be somebody that points the finger yeah, back yeah, at the body of Christ. I am part of the body of Christ. Why would the body attack itself? Yeah. You know, in natural terms, we call that an autoimmune disease. Yeah. When the body's own immune system attacks itself. Like, seriously. Well, we you, do that in the body of Christ. But, but haven't you done that with your kids? I don't know, maybe I'm the only sadistic dad. Where you grab their hand, especially when they're younger, and you, you smack them in their face with their hand. You go, don't hit yourself, don't hit yourself, don't hit yourself. But that's what it's like when we point the finger at yeah. each other in the body of Christ. It's yeah. like we're hitting ourselves because all of us are the bride of Christ. All of us are part of the body, yeah? yeah. Why would we do that? It's, it, it's insane. It, it doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> and the Lord recently convicted me. I was having a conversation and I said some things about the church in general that the Lord really confronted me about later on. I was praying yeah. and the Lord said, I heard what you said in that conversation. Don't you ever say that again. And I was like, okay, I need to learn how to honour the body of Christ yeah. and not start to demean or belittle her because we're part of the same yeah, body. Yeah. You know, we don't all agree. We're not all perfect, but we're part of the same body and we need to change our language to suit that statement. That, that's what I love about you. That's why I, I, I'm more than content and happy and honoured to have Harley here is because yet you have such a humble spirit before the Lord. You know, that example with Daniel and the way that he did that relationship 
always, always trumps being right. We need yeah. to be a people that puts the relationship before, you know. Totally. I can be right in this place. We are totally out of time. Harley, why don't you pray a blessing over those right. that have watched our All church, right. those on yeah, YouTube, sure. etc. Yeah, Father, thank you that, uh, for the example of Daniel and the example of Jesus. Yeah. Lord, I pray that in each of us you would birth a fresh uh, pursuit of an excellent spirit. Lord, that we might live out on the outside what is beautiful on the inside, that that treasure that we carry in this jar of clay might be manifest to the world. I pray it for each one of us in Jesus' name. Yeah. Church, go well. Have a magnificent, outstanding day in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bless you, man. Thanks, dude. <laughs>